Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> we back. All right. Hey, guys. I'm Blaine. Hello. I'm Britt. And we're, we're just, just friends. I was saying that <laughs> if you didn't think Rocket Power was a good option, my number two option was Scooby D. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're just putting a lot of faith in these cartoons, but a lot of faith in cartoons. You put yours in Olivia, who's not even a real person, so I think we're it's both fake. Well, yeah, but you're going like Rocket Power. Yeah. Anyways, God, always trying to ruin my oh, y'all. <laughs> Cash just came out and is sitting under the table. If he touches me, I'm going to scream. He's getting more used to Blaine. I'm I don't like it. Like I don't it. like it. Okay, Brett, we're starting off with today. I need to know your top two, just two, two ladies and gentlemen, pet peeves. Um, <laughs> okay, mine are super weird. But number one is when you pay for something in cash, which I know doesn't happen very often and definitely not post-COVID or now. So we're still in the middle, actually. Just turn um, it back up, actually. Yeah, yeah. So now with COVID, I know like a lot of people don't use cash even more so than before. But when you pay for something in cash and you don't have the right change, like the coins, and they give you coins back and they give you the coins on top of the money in your hand because then you're stuck and your coins are sliding around everywhere and you got to try to get them in your wallet. And like I know it's probably not that bad if you don't like carry a purse or a wallet or if you just like put your cash in your pockets because you can just like hold your hand up and put it in there but it's so annoying and it drives me crazy and that's always been my number one pet peeve um number two no coins in this house no coins i don't mind coins just give it to me before you give me the dollars so that i can function um and the number two is also really weird but it's when people are eating popcorn and they stick their tongue out and stick the popcorn to their like tongue a lizard. and then put it back in their mouth that you can do that with like chips and stuff too it bothers me like when people eat like that in general but like specifically popcorn where you just like stick your tongue out and it's covered in popcorn and then they put it back in their mouth i hate that Why? i don't That's know so it drives me crazy it drives me crazy so those are my number two or top two they're weird i cannot believe yours is somebody sticking their tongue out and grabbing popcorn it, yeah, it really bothers me. I it I don't know why. So if you to watch like a video me. of a frog do it, would that gross you out too? Uh, I don't really watch videos of frogs, but <laughs> you don't. I always watch them my scratch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I don't think it would bother me as bad because I guess that's kind of their only option. But like, we have thumbs. Just pick okay, it up. Okay. Well, mine kind of has to do with fingers. Um, <laughs> even though your thumb is not a finger, is when people. Whoa, 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 whoa! Your thumb's not a finger. I mean, it is a finger, but it's not a finger. Finger, 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 finger. I just went index, middle, ring, pinky. Index finger, middle finger, I wonder what the definition ring finger, of a finger pinky is. finger, thumb. I know, but I wonder what the definition of a finger is. I don't know. Let's not get into that. <laughs> That's way too deep for me right now. Okay. Um, number one has to do with fingers and or thumb. And it is, I hate when people lick their fingers. And let me say something. I've adapted very well mm -hmm. in my 26 years of living because now I don't really say anything about it. Yeah. But... It still makes my stomach like <laughs> rise internally in my body because this is why and it has nothing like this. Just the base reason. First is that when people eat Cheetos and they like religiously sit there and suck on their fingers like the, <laughs> they're like ripping the skin off. That Cheeto does. That Cheeto does. 
But when they get that Cheeto dust and they start sucking on their fingers, no, y'all need to quit. <laughs> no to brush your teeth in the shower and no sucking the Cheeto dust <gasps> off of your fingers. Speaking of brushing your teeth in the shower. What? My, I, talk, I was talking to my mom today and she told me that um, Brian Peters, her best friend. So Brian Peters is like my mom. Ooh, I'm just throwing his last name out there for the world to know. I hope he doesn't I know, care. he's going to say his address too. Um, is like my mom's Blaine, basically. Like they're like best friends. He's like my fun uncle that I'm not really related to, but I feel like I am. My mom listened to our most recent episode and she told me they just went on Brian's bachelor trip and they went to Vegas and... Mom said they were, she was, like, hiding everybody's toothbrushes around. <laughs> and she, like, made a comment. And Brian was like, oh, you don't have to worry about mine. It's in the shower. Brian Peters. <laughs> You're washing your, brushing your teeth in the shower? No, sir. We don't do that. We don't I do that. I need to know about it. Do you have a toothbrush cover? I have so many questions. Please, Jesus, have a toothbrush cover. Let us know. Please have one. But, yeah, sucking the Cheeto dust on your fingers. No. Get a napkin. Wash your hands. Like, literally anything else but that. We don't do that. Mm -mm, not here. So, then the next thing is when, and this is kind of, I think this is like one for everyone. I don't think it's just like me. But when you bring up a point to somebody, for example, I would say the grass is purple and somebody's like, no, it's not. Like, even though the grass might be purple or green, like, they just have to argue something. Oh, okay. Like, just being super argumentative about, like, I can understand having your opinions about something that matters. But, like, if I'm, like, yo, the blinds are dusty and you're, like, no, they're not, it's, like, uh, why do you have to do that to me? Why you got to call me out about my blinds being dusty? I wasn't calling it. I was not even talking about your blinds. The first thing I saw was blinds, though. But are they dusty? Uh, I don't think so. Why are you being so arguing about I just said they were dusty. Calm it down. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Speaking of pet peeves, I took my Instagram test, and I had never taken one before. And it said that I was a number three, which is the achiever. Success-oriented pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious. I don't feel like I'm a three, but what is yours? Do you know yours? Yeah, so mine is a six with a seven wing. Um, I would have thought Blaine would have been an eight. Which is the challenger, I believe, right? I think so. Yes, it's the challenger. There's nine types. Yes. Um. Yeah, so I've been pretty into the Enneagram for like a while. I mean, into it is like a relative term. I don't like spend all of my spare time in it, but I think it's very interesting. Um, and so mine is a six wing seven. I think I took my test probably three or four years ago, um, is when I first figured it out. And so I've kind of been into it since then. But the big thing with like Enneagrams is that you like took the test, you got a three and you don't feel like you're a three. But if you do like research into it, a lot of people who like study it really say that you're, you should more so like self type yourself then take a test because when you take a test you're always trying to put like you have time to think about it so you're trying to put your best self forward as opposed to just like the real natural instinct and that's not necessarily everyone's case but like it can happen even if you're not like you don't realize it's happening so it's just a lot about like self-awareness and you know like coming to terms with the things like you might not necessarily like about yourself and like typing you can like type yourself um like I I know I follow like a lot of Instagram accounts and stuff and all of them always say like when people they'll do like Q&A boxes and when people say like I feel like I've been mistyped like they always say like you probably were because like you should try just like reading into every single type and like finding the best one for you because that's more likely going to 
be the way that like you figure it out. I feel like mine was accurate, but that's not the case for everyone. I can feel like I'm the achiever because I am very like task and like success oriented, I guess. But I could also see myself as like the challenger. And then sometimes in my life, like I'm the peacemaker, number nine. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm like all three of those all together. So I don't know. I feel like I'm a lot more than one type. Yeah. And so like if you look at the Enneagram, like the actual like Enneagram symbol, it's like a weird misshape. But like you start the shape basically by putting all the numbers like spaced out kind of like a clock and then you connect them. And then so you still have that base circle and then you have them all connected there. Then there's like separation of three. Those are called like the centers. And um, so numbers one, nine and eight are in the instinctive center. Two, three, four are in the feeling center and five, six, seven are in the thinking center. So there's all different. That's what like it's it can be surface level. But like if you really try to like find out stuff about it, like it's not surface level at all. There's also like the numbers that you pull from when you're in stress. So like if. Oh, okay. Like if uh, like for six is it for us, I think it's a three. So like I pull from like the way that threes act when I'm in when I'm like super stressed or in overdrive and then like if I'm super happy and like super content and like not anxious not any of that stuff then that part of a six normally pulls from a nine I think so there are all different kinds of like things that go into it not just like your surface level kind of like like a Myers-Briggs like there's the yeah you can get your number but then if you like look into it there's all kinds of stuff in the background yeah, I know that a lot of people, and this is what people told me that I would be before I took the test. A two, a five, or an eight, which I feel like are all very opposite. So the helper, five, the investigator, <laughs> eight, the challenger, which I kind of agree with eight, but I don't know. I mean, I guess two, because I mean, I feel like I have to be a two sometimes because I'm a teacher. Yeah. And then five, I mean, I guess like. Perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. I mean, like, yeah, kind of, but I mean, I like my alone time and I like looking into things a lot, but I wouldn't say that's like my number one personality trait. I, I feel like all of us are all of these, honestly. If you haven't taken the test, you need to go take the test and then let us know what your number is, because I'd be very interested to see some of the people that I know and my friends to see what their number would be. Mm -hmm. I, w I was just trying to think. I don't know what Carrie is. I was trying to think of like my friends. I don't know what Carrie is. I know Kelsey's an eight. My friend Lainey's a two. Because we were going to get I have no idea. Don't ask me. Point. I don't know who's what, where, when, how. Because this is like the first time ever that I even started talking about it. Britt tried to get me to take this a long time ago. And I was like, I don't want to take it because it's 12 pages and I have to read a lot. Mm -hmm. And That's she was exactly like, seriously? And uh, she said, or she said, seriously? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm not taking it. Y'all, I just don't have the patience sometimes to sit down and read all this. And then it was Blaine's idea to talk about it. So I was like, did you take the test? He said yes. Yeah. I went, went out on a limb today. And not today, this week, and took the test. Okay, I want to transition to something that might be controversial. And we had different opinions about this at the beginning of the week. Very different opinions about this. <laughs> and I feel like it's a hot topic right now. But I want to go into a different side of it. But I'm just going to bring it up anyways. All right, so it's about Simone Biles. I guarantee you that you already know where we're going with this. But I want to get a baseline. I want to talk about how we felt about it at the beginning of the week, Brett. And you probably still feel the same. And then why I changed my opinion. And then I'll talk about why. So the beginning of the week, we were talking about Simone Biles and Britt was brought it up and she said, so what do you think about Simone Biles? And I said, well, 
honestly, I feel like if she's made it to the Olympics and she's made it this far, like her job is to compete in the Olympics. And like, how are you going to get there? And then mentally back down from that. And the perception that I took from this, which is somewhat different now, kind of the same, is that what if I'm at my job and then I decide before a concert, oh, I'm super anxious, I need to back out of this. It's like, I can't do that. But then also, Britt said this to me and said that us as a society thinking that way is toxic, which is a true point. And that was a very good point that she made when we talked about it the first time. But to me, in the beginning, it seemed like Simone Biles is going over to the Olympics. She is competing. She's the best in the world. She had a goat bedazzled on her freaking leotard. I'm As like, she should. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, she is the greatest of all time. I think that's not a point in this at all. But to me, it comes off as cocky. And I'm like, well, if you're going to play it up as cocky, then you need to step up to the plate and you need to do what you went to do because I feel like you can't have goat bedazzled on your leotard and then get over there and then be like, well, I'm just going to back out because I'm not mentally in it. Brett, I'll let you tell your point, then I'll go back to me. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that's really bold. And I feel like that is, I don't know, just not it for me. Like, I don't, I think that if your mental health is suffering, if it's the Olympics, if you have a concert, if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company on the day of your, I don't know, the last day of the quarter, and you have things to turn in. Like, if your mental health is suffering to a point that you feel like it's unbearable, then none of those things matter to me. You need to take care of yourself. And I think that, uh, like I said to Blaine earlier, like I think er earlier this week, I think that having that mindset is toxic because I just don't think, I think that that's why we've gotten to where we are today. And I think that it's, I think that she, Simone Biles, like stepping up and saying that and having the courage to not say that she was injured and she didn't want to, like not just straight up saying like, I'm not mentally here for this. Not copying out as being like, oh yeah, I'm, I like hurt my ankle. Yeah, like I think that her straight up saying that it just is a huge step that we need for mental health. I don't know. Like, I just don't. I keep seeing this meme a lot, and it just is, like, very true. And it's, like, Simone Biles isn't going to see your tweets or your Facebook statuses about how she's weak. But, like, your friends and your family who are struggling with their mental health are. And they're going to remember that. And, like, I just think that if I have an event that I've been planning for for a year, and I truly feel like I'm not going to make it to the end of the day if I go through with that event, then like fire me, I guess. Like I, I'll, I don't think it's worth it. Like a job is a job. And at the end of the day, like you said, like her job was the Olympics, but that's all it is. It's her job. Like there's so much more to life than that. Yeah. I understand that. And I was thinking about it this week and I'm going to be like kind of open for a second, but I was thinking about this week and I was thinking, that's all, all these things that she had to go through. Like, having opening up her own gym because of the way the doctor that treated the girls to the Olympics before about her doing moves. And every time she goes up for a move, she feels like she's going to hurt herself. And I put some myself in perspective for a second because mental health is something that me and Britt advocate for a lot. I think because we, yeah, for sure, because we both are in a place and I feel like I'd be open with saying this for both of us. We're both in a place where, number one on my radar all the time and the number one thing I think about is my mental health and anxiety and things like that and it comes up every single day so I'm sitting there in perspective of like I'm saying this about Simone Biles number one I saw this meme too it's like 
All these people want to comment about Simone Biles, but they can't even do a cartwheel. I can't do a cartwheel. Me, I can't do a cartwheel either. How how much if I struggle with mental health and anxiety and I'm sitting here not understanding someone else because of what? Pride? What do I have to take pride in? Yeah. Like if the USA did not win Olympics, like any medals in the Olympics, honestly, I wouldn't care. Yeah. I know that sounds terrible because these people work their like lives for this, but like my life is not hurting by Simone Biles not being in this competition. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's a lot of the way that it's like framed to society. Like it just depends on how you literally, if you're getting your, not like at you, but like anyway, if you're getting your news on pro- prominently from Facebook, you're only seeing news from like-minded people because that's what your algorithm is. That's what Facebook is there to keep you scrolling. Facebook, you're not going to keep scrolling if you start seeing things you disagree with and they know that. So they're not going to show you that. So if it's framed in a way that makes her seem weak, which like I disagree with, and that's not in my algorithm at all, then like I, that's why I think that her stepping up like this and her doing that is such a big step because there's no longer a way to frame it. Like she, she told you, what she, she told you that she couldn't mentally handle it like period end of discussion there's no framing that like those are her words she didn't leave it open for interpretation she told you that it was for her mental health and like that's that like that's like I said period end of discussion yeah and going into the mental part of it again I just sit here and I think about how my mom used to say this when I was a kid it was like mom well so and so everybody else in the class failed it but um I made a C. My mom would say, well, like, I don't care what everybody else did. I care about what you did. And that translates to me as like, yeah, we're not worried about them. Mind your business. And it's like, look, if she wanted to work four years of her life and open up this gymnastics facility and do all these things, and then she doesn't make it to the Olympics, it doesn't matter. Number one, she already has 26 uh, medals, not gold medals, but medals. And number two, She's probably touched more people's lives than I ever have. So how am I the person to sit over here and say, Simone Biles, you're a coward. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. And that's what kind of the realization of me flipping of, okay, like I'm just standing on Pride Mountain for what? I came in, I can't even do a cartwheel. I can't even do a front <laughs> flip on trampoline anymore. I just bust my face on the, the trampoline. What's that called? The, the, the black part the on the trampoline? Rubber? Is it rubber? I don't know what it is. Oh my gosh, I got to look that up. But to wrap this whole thing up is that Naomi Osaka, the tennis player before her, stepped out of a tennis tournament because of mental health. And everybody drilled her for that. And then she has out on Netflix, it might be out now, but she has a documentary on Netflix out now about that whole situation and that whole Mm -hmm. struggle. So I feel like it's a shift in generation. I feel like it's a shift in society to where like people in the past look at the weakness of mental health as, oh, you're a quitter. Mm -hmm. You're quitting. And then we have all these people with suppressed feelings and then we have people hurting themselves. We have people dealing with it in ways they shouldn't deal with it. And then we want to know, well, why are you the way you are? Yeah. It's like, well, you're calling me a quitter. I'm not a quitter. I need to take a step back from this. Mm-hmm. So, Going into a lighter topic as I was watching yeah, the Olympics. Yeah, that was a lot. Sorry, y'all. Going into a different topic. Starting about the Olympics. I had an unpopular opinion and I never thought about it until now. And I told Clark this is that I like the winter Olympics better than the summer Olympics. Mm. Um, I've never really watched the winter Olympics. I'll be honest, or I'm sure I have at some point, but like, I don't, I remember watching snowboarding occasionally, I think, but that's what it, are you serious? Mm-hmm. You never watched it. I don't recall. 
I love the Winter Olympics. What it's just more do? like it's more like extreme ski. sports to me. They do snowboard, they ski, they have ice skating, they have um I want to say like where they ice skate and they race. Oh. Like Apollo Ono, the yeah. guy that used to Oh, do. oh, I have watched. They do like the bobsledding. They get down yeah. in the little in the little thing. Luge, like, oh. is that what it's called? I guess. I was because I used to always be like, I could do that. All you gotta do is land that thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing about body control. I wonder if like the way you move is like you squeeze your left ear by right butt cheek and you're just trying to like Probably. Turn. I bet like one, I bet their toes are pointed. I bet they're so stiff in there. I bet also <laughs> if they ever wrecked, that would be terrible. Yeah, it used to always, I, th- I do so, remember watching those. So fast. Because I remember it used to make me nervous. They were going to go over the edge. When they go, like water slides and stuff, it looks the same. I'm always like, they're going to go over the edge. Very rarely does that happen, but I'm always <laughs> anticipating it. I have a story about the Winter Olympics, and I watched the Winter Olympics. It comes on every two years, right? It doesn't come on every four. So it comes on more frequently. So I watch it more, and I remember this moment is in Coach Willis's class. In seventh grade, live science. Shut up. To all the people in Coach Willis's class, what up, what up? Um, and we were sitting there, and I sat in the back right corner, so right beside the window. I remember this like it was yesterday. Like, I can see it in my head. We were talking about something, and it was like my group over there on the right side of the class. And they were like, talking about, like, Blaine, you have really good hair. And I was like, thanks. And I said, I just want it to be beautiful like Sean White's. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> Well, y'all, you know that's social suicide. Mm-hmm. Sean White was a snowboarder, long red hair. You might have seen him before. Yes, I know who Sean White is. Well, I don't know if they know who Sean White is. Oh, okay. Fair, so fair, fair. he had like long red shiny hair. And I was like, yeah, I just want it to look as good as Sean White's. And everybody turned their head at me. Not just the group that I was talking <laughs> to, by the way. They all turned their head and they're like, what, Blaine? And I just said it again. I was like, Ooh. I just want that beautiful hair like Sean White. Of course, you're in middle school in seventh grade. So people's like making fun of me like, oh, my God, he said Sean White had beautiful hair, dude. <laughs> I bet he doesn't wash it every day. <gasps> Don't ruin <laughs> what I'm thinking about his hair. Do not do that. Why did you just say that to me? I'm just <gasps> Pet peeve number three, wash your hair. No, I washed it today. <laughs> Rich says, never, I'll never wash my hair. Oh, my God. We're not doing this one again. All right. So it's time for Instagram topic of the week. So, Britt put a poll out. It said, would you like to hear Goals or Garbage, Hollywood Couples Edition, or a true crime story? True crime won true by crime. one, <laughs> true crime, won by one vote. Yes, one vote. So, we'll do Goals or Garbage, Hollywood Couples Edition, maybe next episode or something. It'll go, to, it'll the ne- it'll go to the next round. Yes. Um. Okay. Get ready for this. This is a lot, like a lot, a lot, but I am ready I do not know the story. So Britt is telling me for the first time as well. Uh, so I picked the true crime story because I wanted, I, so I put controversial because um, one of you guys told us that we should like debate a true crime story. So I tried to do one that wasn't super cut and dry, Ooh, guilty or not guilty, I so like that this. we could like see what you think. So we're going with Michael Peterson, um, who is an American author. He wrote... A Time of War, A Bitter Peace, Charlie Two Shoes, and the Marines of Love Company. You've probably never heard or It sounds like a musical. Any of those. So that last one is based on true events from World War II. 
Um, so those were before he went to jail. He has is still currently writing after all the shenanigans, is what I wrote in my notes. Um, so he, shenanigans. <laughs> he published books in 2019 and 2020. His wife, Kathleen, who is no longer with us, this was his second wife. She was an executive at Nortel Networks, which is a telecommunications and data networking equipment manufacturer. So they were the first company. It wasn't called Nortel at the time, but they were the first company that Alexander Graham Bell worked with to start making phones. Um, so she that she was an executive there. They're bankrupt now. Rip. Um, she got her bachelor's of science in civil engineering and her master's in mechanical engineering both at Duke. She was president of the bait team number one high school. Sis like had it going she on. She had it together. Yeah. She um then she married Michael. Yeah. Woo. So okay, December <laughs> December 9th, 2001, Kathleen Peterson um died. She fell down the stairs. It was ruled a homicide. They said that Michael beat her. And she had several lacer- lacerations on her head and they anticipated that it was caused by a blow poke. A blow poke is something you stick in a fire and it has like two little prongs and you blow on the end of it to give it more air. To oh, get more. oh, 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 okay. Blow yeah. poke, huh? Nice. Oh, um, see what they did there? <laughs> so um, he maintained his innocence, said that he didn't do it, but there was a lot of blood at the scene. There was blood everywhere. Um, or not everywhere, so that was part of the issue was that there was only blood at the bottom of the stairs. There was a lot of blood at the bottom of the stairs, but there wasn't any blood down the stairs that she fell down. He was convicted in 2003, so two years after the murder. After he was convicted, Dwayne Deaver was a blood spatter analysis that was on his case, and he had done an experiment for court, like as witness testimony, expert testimony, where he, trigger warning, this is like a little vulgar, took like a, a bloody sponge and like beat it with a blow poke to see like where the blood spatter would go. So he did that and he, like there was blood that got on the sh- on his shorts in the same spot that there was blood on Michael Peterson's shorts. So they used it as evidence. Did they, were they not trying to find blood on the blow poke? They couldn't find it. They couldn't find blood on the blow poke? No, they couldn't find a blow poke. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So they end up finding it at some point. It doesn't like... We'll get there. While Michael Peterson was in jail, it came out that Dwayne Deaver was testifying like with false information um, on not just the Peterson case, on like a lot of cases that he was working at the time. So that was all that the defense team needed to get like an appeal um, or to get like a retrial, basically. So what they what he did was falsified reports. And basically before he again, trigger warning, like beat the bloody sponge with the blow poke, he adjusted his shorts and like stayed super still so that he knew that the blood would land on the shorts where he wanted it to land. He didn't just like organically do the experiment. Oh, okay, yeah. So all of that came out and then it also came out that the shirt that Michael Peterson was wearing was never tested for blood and the reason was someone who worked for him basically like the chain of command for evidence was never followed because the someone in his office said that the evidence needed to go directly for him, to him because he was supposed to test it. He looked at Michael Peterson's shirt, said that he didn't visibly see any blood, and then it wasn't upheld, like it wasn't maintained properly. So in the appeal, it came out that he did the Illuma light test on the shirt so he could see, like, to see if you could see blood. With a black light, right? Yeah, and he didn't see any, so he just didn't tell the defense about it because he knew that it would be in favor of the defense. So there was oh, no blood okay. on the shirt, blood on the shorts, no blood on the stairs, blood at the bottom of the stairs. This is insane. Oh, just wait. Okay, so the defense team 
for Michael Peterson had his attorney, David Rudolph, a forensic pathologist, an injury biomechanics expert, a forensic scientist, SNA expert, and a private investigator. I literally put in parentheses, okay, OJ. Why do, real, you, why do you need so many people to convince me that you're innocent? I know. So the defense claimed that Kathleen fell down the stairs backwards, which was causing the head injuries, tried to get up and quote unquote slipped in her own blood and fell again, causing how more are you gonna have that many how are you gonna have that much blood when you fall down the stairs? <laughs> um explanation for blood on the wall was that she had blood in her mouth from the call and was coughing, i.e. spitting it on the wall. Here I put my parentheses right, da da da. <laughs> What? I mean, I've never been in that situation, so I guess I don't know what I would do, but I don't think I'd be like that much blood on the wall. Mm-hmm. So then, so he spent, Michael Peterson spent eight years in prison. Um, and then in 2011, he was granted a new trial, so he was moved to house arrest. So he was in prison for eight years and then house arrest for three. The new trial was scheduled to begin in 2017. And then in February of 2017, he submitted a plea deal. So he submitted an offered plea, which basically says that the defendant doesn't uh, admit guilt, but they acknowledge that the state has enough evidence to convict them. So he's not saying I did it, but he's saying I know that you're tr- you're going to be able to prove that I did it. That that don't even make sense to me. And why is that even a thing? He does. Wait, the all- time out. Okay. Like, we cannot keep going from this. Okay. He's saying I didn't do it, but I know that you have enough evidence that you're eventually going to catch me. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm going to plead well, for something right catch now. Me. He just said his reasoning was that he says he didn't want to go through another trial. That was just the definition of an offered plea. An offered plea is that you are maintaining your innocence, but you're acknowledging that the state has enough evidence to convict you of the crime. Or to keep going. So he's like, I'm tired of going right now. So I just want to end it and I'll do this. Yes. Okay. So could be received either way. Um, he is currently out of jail. Joe Chillin. Okay, so here is the wild, the even more crazy than all this. In 1985, Michael Peterson was married to his first wife, whose name was Patricia. And Michael and his wife, Patricia's best friend, was named Elizabeth Ratliff. And Elizabeth Ratliff, in 1985, was found dead at the bottom of the stairs. And Michael Peterson was the last one to see her alive. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? I swear. So... This is like, yo, I got away with it first time. I'm doing mm-hmm. it the second time. So she was found dead at the bottom of the stairs with lacerations on her head. It was ruled accidental. Case closed until 2003 when he was convicted for the murder of Kathleen Peterson. And they exhumed Elizabeth Ratliff's body to do another autopsy. And in the second autopsy, they ruled it a homicide after. So it was, that was Why is that? I, I don't know. I guess there were they found new evidence but like the defense argued and said the defense as i read somewhere that they said that like it had been so long that like half of her brain wasn't even like there and they yeah. were trying to te- check for like puncture wounds or yeah something. so like how are you gonna i don't know like it, yeah, it, 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 it's like kind lot. of a long shot but it's definitely sus oh 100 percent. it's just it's a staircase mm-hmm. with head trauma um so second time it was ruled that she had been beaten to death. Her husband died before her. So she was living in her house alone and she was super close with Michael. Um, but all of their friends say that it was like super platonic. So like, I don't really read that much into that because yeah. I've like been there. Done that. Yeah. Um, but also what the wife? I mean, I don't know if you know this, but what did the wife say about it? The one that he got divorced from. 
she says that he was innocent of both crimes. Oh. So, but she died literally last week. Oh, okay. Just well. like at, from something. Oh, I was about to say, like Michael not, strikes again. No, not stairs. Um, <laughs> not stairs. <laughs> she probably lives in a one-story house. Uh, <laughs> I would. No stairs around me. So, we got um, ramps. Yeah, so they were his, her husband had died. And the story is that like Michael went over to her house every night to read um, to her kids before bed because I guess that was a thing their dad did, whatever. Um, so that's why he was the last one to see her alive. And apparently the week before she died, she had told multiple people and there's like witness testimony like saying that she had told people that she was having headaches and she couldn't figure out why. So I assume the assumption was that she probably like had some, you know, Scott did had a dizzy spell, passed out, something fell down the stairs. So that's that one, which he that blows was my never, mind. yeah, he wasn't convicted for that one. Like I said, he was convicted for Kathleen's death in 2003, but is now out because he did, made the offered plea and because Dwayne Deaver's an idiot. Um, so good on you for that one if he's guilty because now he's just out. So thanks for that, Dwayne Deaver. Um, so the wildest theory of them all. There's still a, there's this a is theory. Insane. It's so much. Also, all of these sources by the time this is out will be on our Instagram at We're Just Friends Pod. I'll put them in the link in our bio so that you can fact check me or read on it if you're interested. Um. So there's an owl theory. It's literally called the owl theory, and I'm just gonna have to read my notes because it's kind of a lot. Okay, I can't <laughs> so, wait. I literally wrote the wildest theory ever. The the owl did it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Larry Pollard, who is a friend of Michael Peterson, a friend and neighbor of Michael Peterson, and he's an attorney, is the architect of the owl theory. In 2009. He's friends with Michael? Yes. It's already sus. Friend and neighbor. Sus, sus. Um, in 2009, he peti petitioned the court to have charges dismissed. He said that Kathleen may have been the victim of an attack by a wild bird outside of her house. The attack would have caused injuries to her head, face, and elbows. Pollard <laughs> believed that this could be Get explained out of here. further by presence of blood drops droplets on the brick walkway and slate landing outside the home and the existence of, quote-unquote, feathers attached to Miss Peterson's hair and found by the medical examiner clutched in her left hand with fresh blood. And that will make me listen a little more to your owl theory. I'll be a little honest. So but, we're saying this girl, no, time out. We're saying this girl got attacked by an owl through a window. The owl came in, struck her. No, not through a window. So I guess I think the theory, someone can, I don't know, we will have to Where's the owl going to be? Outside, I think. So I think the theory, is, so I, that's what I was about to say. Kate Davis, who's the director of Raptors of the Rockies, which I assume is probably a nonprofit. Um, or maybe it's a movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic World Part Three. Um, so she did an experiment. She has a barn owl that lives in a barn, and she went out and put a metal salad bowl on her head, and then like dropped her owl on her head to see what the marks would do, like what kind of marks it would make, and they were the same as what was on Kathleen's head. So the theory isn't that the owl killed her i think the theory is that the owl caused the lacerations on her head and all of the blood so uh, there were reports that said that she had like a chunk of her hair in her hand like ripped out from the root like she was trying to like pull something off of her and 
uh, what's his name? Larry Pollard says that like in that hair, there was like pieces of feather and they were trying to get the feathers tested. And then when Michael Peterson submitted the offered plea, the case, like it's over. So they're not going to continue to fund testing because your we case sure is Michael closed. don't got a pet owl. I mean, are I, we I, sure? I didn't say nothing about a pet owl. Let me go and tell you. You got, what's her name? Elizabeth? Kathleen. Well, Elizabeth was the first one. Yeah, Kathleen. Got Elizabeth. He just saved it. Mm-hmm. Suck it in the attic. Yeah. Round two. So. Get you, Kath- get her, Kathleen. Yeah, I don't know. The the owl theory. So, Michael's attorney, David Rudolph, said that if they had gone back to trial, like, he was ready to, like, explore the owl theory more. That is wild to me. Imagine being the jury and someone explain this to you. I'd be like. No, I'm sorry. You got to try again. Yeah, they make it a little convincing. I know it is convincing, but what I'm confused about is how she got attacked by an owl, walked up the stairs, and then fell, and then down, fell the- down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. So uh, you're going to go up this, you're going to get attacked by an owl, go up to the bathroom, check your head, and then just what, fall down the stairs? I guess. No, that's not how life works, I don't think. Like, mm-hmm. go to the bathroom on the first floor. Yeah. And then also there was this rumor that I guess when they were going through evidence after Kathleen's trial that they found um, sexual images of men on Michael Peterson's computer. Not my business, not my circus, not my monkeys. I don't care what you're doing. But I guess the rumor was that his wife, Kathleen, found out, was mad. They got into a fight. He pushed her down the stairs. But then there was a letter I read on that creepy website that had all the, all the sources. But, like, if it wasn't the actual documents, it was, like, very controversial and yeah. very opinionated. But one of the documents or, like, a transcript from one of Michael's phone calls from jail with his sister-in-law, so with Kathleen's sister. And Kathleen's sister's husband gets, like, on the other phone because this is 2000, so they still got the home phones. And so, yeah, the... The wires in the jacks. Yeah, jacked up on the wall. Oh. Um, so they're both on the phone with Michael while he's in jail, and they confront him about, like, the bisexuality thing, and he maintains that that's not true and says, you know, that like, that's not true. I've never been with a man, whatever. And then there's another thing in The Staircase on Netflix where, if I'm not mistaken. Is this based off of this? Yes. The so staircases? Yeah, you'll have to watch it now. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, I have to watch it. Is so, it scary? No, no, no. I do not like it's scary. Re- things. It's like real. Like it's like him talking to the camera and stuff. Oh, um, oh my gosh, I have to watch this. Yeah. So somewhere in there I think it said that his brother knew that he was bisexual and that it was a family secret, which kind of makes me sad because like you don't have to I mean, yeah, but yeah. also two thousand what? Yeah, they were not. Yeah, we're not. So there yet. his brother says that it was a family secret, but that Kathleen knew about his sexuality and um didn't care. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, that's not my circus, not my monkeys, not my business. But not my, that's not another, my business. That's another like theory going or, like out there. I guess is that she found out that he was bisexual and or sleeping in a relationship potentially with a man, and she was upset. So, did he take the plea deal? Yeah, he submitted the plea deal. He's out. He's Jay chilling. I said that. He's at home. No, I want to know what the plea deal was. Do you know that? Time served. 
Oh, okay. So he submitted the plea deal after he was in jail. Yeah, so he was okay, in jail. Okay, that's what I was confused he about. He was convicted in 2003 and then granted a new trial in 2011 because of the Dwayne Deaver stuff. So he was on house arrest from 2011 until 2017. And then in 2017, he submitted the Alford plea. And the response to the Alford plea was time served. And I think the charge was lessened to manslaughter, maybe? Ain't no manslaughter. The only thing that it, it was manslaughter is that owl. I'm going to be honest. I don't really know what I think. Oh, I think he for sure did it. You don't think he did it? How was somebody going to die <laughs> twice the same way? Yeah, Literally with good. the puncture heads, puncture heads to the wound. The, <laughs> the, the wound? Um, puncture heads to your head uh, and then it puncture wounds to your head. Oh my gosh, puncture <laughs> wounds to your head and then they fall down the staircase and it's not this no, no. This is some OJ right here. I don't I told you, I don't really I truly don't know. So I've watched the staircase. I have wa- listened to True Crime Obsessed on their Patreon. They cover the staircase. Staircase is like twelve episodes and they covered all twelve episodes. So I listened to their opinions. I did all this research today. And I still just don't really know. Like, part of me is like, yeah, he definitely did it. But also, I'm a very, like, evidence-heavy person. And, like, there's not just a ton of evidence. Like, I mean. I do want to know why they, how they came down to the conclusion that it was a blowpoke. Because, like, who's going to think blowpoke? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it was because if you, if it looks like the owl's talons, then it's, like, the three. And there's, like, the circle with, like, the pokey part at the end, I would assume, right? The pokey part. <laughs> so, the blowboat looks like almost like a like a two-prong thing. Like a bird, like a talon kind But it's not three. There's two of them. But an mm-hmm. owl would have more than two. It would have but two it would only have three, yeah. I, re- I mean, not. I don't think the owl did it. I think we should leave the owl out of it. I think that's a stretch. Yes, I'm still caught up on that because that doesn't make sense. But it is an interesting theory. And like I said, like attorneys, man, they can they can make you think about something. <laughs> because he said that about the feathers in her hands. And I'm not kidding you. I was like, well, now hold on just a minute. I mean, yeah, I, the feathers puts a whole different perspective on it. But also without the feathers, that theory would not be true. Mm-hmm. I, I think he did it. 100%. You don't think he did? I really don't know. I mean, I don't... Uh, yes or no, you have to decide right now. I have to decide right now. I'm saying no. I would love to be on a jury in this trial and me, you be in the room debating <laughs> this. I'd be like, Britt, you're going to believe the owl theory? Really? We'd be sequestered forever because oh neither of us are back yes. in now. <laughs> no, 100% no. I'm like, Britt, you're an idiot. You're thinking the owl just killed I don't, this lady? I, really, I, I don't think the owl did it. I don't. Well, and like I said, the theory is not that the owl caused, did the murder. Or is the cause of death. The theory is that the owl is caused. Charge the, the owl. The lacerations. Another thing to keep in mind is that the <laughs> executive producer of The Staircase and Michael Peterson became romantically involved during the the filming, I guess, of The Staircase. So it could potentially be a little biased. Probably very biased. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. This is so much tea. There's a lot happening mm-hmm. right here. Yeah, that's why I went with this one. The, Maybe we could have no, went oh with, like, gosh. one of less details. But, like I said, I wanted one that was, no, like, this very... Is, no, this is great. But that just has a whole different thing to Netflix. So the entire time I'm watching this Netflix documentary, because you know I'm going to have to watch it, now I'm thinking, now this is one-sided. But... So the Netflix documentary is based off of two previous previous shows that came out earlier than the next Netflix documentary. So that's why for me it wasn't really like a problem because like it was based off of two that came before it. Like same name and everything. There was a TV show called The Staircase a long, long, long time ago. 
obviously not that long, but so like it's based off of that. So it's based off of, to my understanding anyway, so it's based off of those shows. So, and the executive producer isn't like the creator and the writer, right? Or it might have been the director. It was someone who didn't necessarily have like. I need a name. We can't be throwing people under the bus out here if we don't know who they are. Okay, let me look. Okay, so it was the editor. Editor name is Sophie Brunette, B-R-U-N-E-T. She had feelings. Her name was Sophie and she was the editor. Okay, so not, she didn't have that much creative freedom as an editor. Yeah, like you're not, not that in producing charge power of, thing. yeah. I wonder what Enneagram time the owl was. Challenger. <laughs> uh, definitely an eight. He's a stone cold killer. The poor somebody owl. Get, somebody get that out. The poor owl. He killed Kathleen. Leave the owl so out think, of it. Oh, you're the one that brought him into it. I I didn't. Larry Pollard is the one that brought the owl into it. Okay. I hope that you guys have been enjoying what we've been doing for the past five episodes. Six. Six now. Oh, Lord. Past six episodes. We say that after one day we're going to stop saying this. Maybe after 10 we'll be like, okay, like. Yeah, this I is guess a real we're just thing. Doing this. Yeah, I guess we're just doing this for life. Um, make sure that you check us out on Instagram at We're Just Friends Pod. My Instagram is at Freeman Blaine. I am at Brittany with two Y's and Davis with two S's. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Love y'all. Be safe. Okay, bye.